This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back. It's been a while. This is WTM. Watch this movie. And I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me once again after a three-month-plus hiatus. Yeah, been a while. We have Mr. Wolfie T. Yeah, recording remotely, finally. <laughs> I know I know. every other podcast in the world's been doing it for three months, but uh, we're coming around to it. <laughs> Hopping on that Skype train. Man. Yeah, I got a... Got a brand new MacBook Pro. Uh, it's been slow going trying to learn the ins and outs of recording remotely. Uh, well, I, I guess we could just say that the podcast is not firing on all cylinders right now. We don't have, <laughs> we don't have the ability to put in drops just yet. We're experimenting with different audio programs and editing software, so bear with us along with the uh, quality of the audio which we're still not sure what that's going to sound like yet, but fingers crossed. And hopefully it's okay. I mean, we're going out without net here on this first one. So, uh, I don't know. This may not make the, uh, the light of day, but if it does, <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, shout out to our friends from across the pond. Congratulations on it. 100 episodes movie, movie drone 100 they did Unbelievable. it Unbelievable. two years it was also their two-year anniversary it's because they skipped a week or two somebody somebody <laughs> got covid from leaving the house <laughs> they also uh well they've done several episodes that they don't count as official numbered episodes i think they've done like six or seven where it's you know episode 88.1 or something like that well, they, well they, had a, they had about five that were just uh, Mark's movie impressions. It was a compilation. <laughs> that's right. I think, I think that's why the number would be off. Mm. Either way, week in, week out, you can count on Movie Drone to drop on Sundays. Us, not so much. <laughs> we, we come at you when we want. When we can. <laughs> uh, also, I mean... Besides COVID, uh, <laughs> unless you've been living in a cave the past couple of months, uh, something happened in Minneapolis, and uh, we weren't chomping at the bit to joke around and bullshit about movies for a while. So. Totally agree. It was, uh, it was some heavy shit, <laughs> and uh, we don't have a lot of answers on our end, and uh, we didn't want to be insensitive, so... Uh, that also helped to extend our, our absence. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we got to put something out there. Numbers are starting to drop. They were, they kept on going up for a while, and now I think subscriptions are dropping. People are like, oh, it's been three months. Nothing new. Well, 
Must Surprise, be motherfuckers. <laughs> We're back. I don't know. I think it was kind of good. We're, you know, we've been running a long time. We're, what episode are we at? Like 250-something? Is it that high? I don't uh, think we're that high. No. We're, we haven't made it to 250. We're, we've got a lot of episodes, and we've been running pretty steady for several years, so I, I think a break was, was <laughs> probably due. Yeah. Uh, this will be episode 211. So not quite 250. We might be at 250 if no. we didn't take a break. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <that. laughs> well, anyways, this will be a recently seen episode, a supersized recently seen episode, since uh, a lot of what we've been doing during this uh, pandemic is watching movies. I also bought a PS4, so that's been taking up some of my time. But I, I was watching... Not a, not a lot to I do. I was watching a lot of movies, Stark, but uh, I've slowed down recently. I've been watching, I've been rewatching more movies than than ones that I haven't seen before, which I don't do a lot. But uh, I figure, you know, I'm not talking about them on the podcast, so I might as well rewatch some shit. <laughs> yeah, I actually rewatched the Kill Bill movies a couple weeks. ago. Or last oh, yeah. week, actually. What did you think about them? Uh, On a rewatch. I think I liked them better than I remember liking them, but I'd still put them uh, at the bottom of Tarantino's uh, filmography. The very bottom. Not, well, I don't know if at the very bottom, but probably bottom three or four, if you include them, combine them into one story. Mm-hmm. So I need to rewatch Inglorious Bastards. Because that's another one that I didn't didn't like as much when I watched it, but I think I had misplaced expectations going in, so yeah. I, I need to rewatch that one. But uh, I would still put at least five or six other Tarantino movies above Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. I bought the soundtrack to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood the other day. Banging soundtrack, definitely it has a has a lot of uh, <laughs> tracks on there that are just radio ads from back in the day. <laughs> Those are pretty sweet. I think it just ones from the movies. I'm not sure if they're originals or created for the film, but well, I think uh, you know our Midnight Movie Cowboys, you know our friends over there, uh, did one episode on uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and they have another one coming up. I think they said that a lot of the radio spots were real radio spots. Yeah, it makes sense. Although I can't remember if uh, I forget the name of the brand of dog food. I think that was I think that was made up. Yeah, that was made up, and I think there might have been a radio spot for it, but I'm not sure. Anyways, yeah, let's since it's been a while, (laughs) why don't we we remind the folks at home how our rating system works? We got. Five tiers. It's a five-tiered system, kind of like a five-star system, but different. At the tippy top of the list, we have the WTM ASAP rating. These are these films are the best of the best, um, old classics, new gems, just pretty much perfect movies. And we recommend that you watch them as soon as possible because they are required viewing. Uh, next level down is Soonish. Uh, they just kind of just missed the cut of the ASAP. These are all great films. 
Um, we recommend that you see them soonish, uh, sooner rather than later. The middle tier is the WTM eventually category. Recommend that you watch them eventually. Basically, it is worth your time. Watch it before you die. Um, it's also kind of our official stamp of approval. You know, this rating or better, basically a thumbs up. And if any of these, if eventually soonish or ASAP, if they're in the theater, we recommend you watch it in the theater because that's always the best place to watch a movie. Although there aren't any movies in theaters right now. <laughs> we had what, Jaws and... I said Jurassic, uh, other movie? Jurassic Park and Jaws were like yeah. the top two box office. <laughs> I don't know where, where are theaters open. I got an email from AMC a couple weeks ago saying that they're reopening July 15th. Which, okay. I don't know. They also claim they, that, uh, don't worry, we're not closing. We got a half a billion dollars in capital investment last month. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of the blue. Somebody <laughs> invested half a billion dollars in us. Uh, they were supposed to send more information for, for A-list, but I never got anything else beyond that. Um and I know there was a big stink because they initially were only going to require uh, guests to wear masks where it was required by law because they didn't want to get in a political debate. And then yeah. uh, it turned into a political debate and they reversed it and are going to require masks for everybody everywhere. But I don't know, with everything moving back, I don't know. What they're going to have to show July 15th. They said they're going to have some classic movies and some new movies. But I think the only like new one coming out is that uh, Russell Crowe one, which was supposed to come out July 1st. And the last I saw it was July 10th. They moved it to. We always still look forward to Tenet and Mulan now in August, hopefully. I mean, I'm not looking forward to Mulan, really. But, I mean, I might watch it. But Tenet, definitely. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if Tenet will... I mean, they keep moving it back, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Milan, I don't really have any interest. I don't think I've ever seen the, the cartoon version, so... Neither have I. I don't know if I, I'd go to the theater just to see that. It'd be interesting to see what classic movies they have, but uh, I'm not in a super hurry to go back to the theater right now. Yeah, I understand the importance of masks. But I also understand why AMC didn't want to get involved in it or any theater for that matter. If you require masks, how the fuck are you supposed to eat popcorn? Well, that's the thing. Like, they're they're you can saying, take it off while you're eating. Yeah, like, you you have to wear it until you're at your seat, and then you can take it off to eat popcorn. But it's like, I mean, if it's not required by law in the in the jurisdiction where the theater's at, like, I mean, you're just walking through the lobby and up the stairs. Like, I don't know. I mean, if theaters... you're gonna take it off, I, the mask thing is is weird to me because like, people people are always online, you know, yelling at people to wear masks. But I go out to the drive-through or whatever, or the grocery store, and people have masks, but they fucking don't cover their nose or they take them off, I'm like. Why even wear it if you're just going to fucking take it off? Yeah. But I don't know. I don't want to get into a political debate. Because it's like you can require it, but you also can't if you're going to have people eating or drinking because 
that's how theaters make 90% of their money, basically. So how do you expect a theater to open up and not really be able to sell food or drink? Exactly. And they're already limiting that. They're doing all, you have to like pre-purchase your snacks and uh, I think it's all, you know, you have to buy it through the app. There's very little interaction with the, the concessions people. Um, but then like once you're in the theater, like, you're going to be in the room with however many people for two to three hours. Now, none of this affects you because you don't eat shit at the theater. <laughs> you don't drink anything. You don't eat anything. No. You're basically. Generally not. Uh, theater's worst nightmare because <laughs> you get on the A list <laughs> and you just go and see three movies a week and you don't buy a fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I did it. <laughs> All right. Well, back to the rating system. So Where did we leave off? Eventually. Eventually so, was the last one. Yeah. Step below eventually is last resort. Now, these uh, movies miss the cut, so to say. And um, some of them we actually, you know, will like. There will be movies in that category that I like to watch, maybe even more than once. But we don't necessarily consider it required viewing. Or some of them maybe we didn't like. But uh, we think that, well, maybe someone else might like this movie. There's usually at least some redeeming quality to it. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of times, like you said, it's not like a, a good movie, but like it might have its funny parts or like a few good scenes or characters that you like. Uh, but uh, it's not something you have to go out of your way to see. Mm-hmm. And last and certainly least, we have the WTM Never category. <laughs> Never watch these movies. They are not worth your time. They are god-awful. A uh, perfect example I always give is Rocky Five. That's in the never category. I think Cats should should be the new example. <laughs> you know, when that was re-released as a midnight, it movie did gangbusters at my theater. Ugh. Did everybody get COVID at it? <laughs> no, no, they didn't. <laughs> I don't think so. That's why they broke the windows. You showed cats. <laughs> well, they broke the windows twice. God. Uh, there was some damage to, to the theater I work at uh, during some of the riots, but it was pretty minimal con- compared to other businesses that were burned down or completely looted. Uh, and then there was a shooting where 12 people were shot just outside the theater. And uh, one of the doors the glass was shattered by bullets so i'm not sure if there's some bullets uh sticking and stuck in the walls in the theater or not or what but jesus christ i knew there was a shooting down there i, I was wondering how close it was to the theater yep basically right underneath the marquee i saw there's a... i guess it would kind of people moved around and shot up and down that block because there's uh the shoe store next to the theater there was a window shot out there uh, the Korean barbecue place across the street and south a little bit. It's not because McDonald's is directly across the street. Yeah. But if you go a couple places down, there's a, a Korean barbecue that uh, was shot up pretty bad. So. Yeah, I saw. So, so like we said, 12 people got shot. One of them died. Yeah. I saw on the news the next day, they, there was a guy who described himself as an anti-violence activist. 
who had he, he was there i don't know if he witnessed the shooting or if he was just there for the aftermath but he's like you know all the cops moved out after the uh the protests and rioting and stuff and he's like you know when i was in the game like this was like free range to just go fucking shoot people because there's no cops around so i don't know I, mean, I heard there was cops in the lunds parking lot which is on the other side of the block behind the theater. Like, I guess they blocked off roads, and apparently they blocked off roads because there was street racing going on. <laughs> like, illegal street racing, which I don't understand why they just didn't just stop pull it. over the drivers or something. And they're like, well, <laughs> we'll just block off the road. They were racing on a lagoon right outside oh, the theater, that theater and then those bars. Because I saw some videos of them, you know, burning out and stuff like that and racing up and down there. But so I don't know. Some of that, what I heard doesn't make sense. Like, well, we'll just block <laughs> off the street and let them race. It's like, what? Because <laughs> there's always cops outside those bars. Yeah. You know, kind of take control of all the drunk people. But uh, they weren't there that night. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a weird situation. You know, everybody's kind of on edge and people are, you know, pissed on every side of it. So. Yeah. It's it's weird. Let's talk right. about movies. Yeah, let's get into it. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? So, I will go first. I saw a bunch of movies on Netflix. I got HBO Max now. Yeah, did you get in that? Yeah, I did get in that. Um, big selection there. I also have Apple TV Plus free for a year from buying this new MacBook Pro. Although there's barely anything in that. They have a couple of original shows, like that oh. morning show with, uh, is that with Steve Carell and Jennifer? Ann? I don't know. I can't remember. There's a morning show. Oh, is it? Like it's it's uh, about a morning it's show. It's Reese Witherspoon, isn't it? And uh, yeah, is Tina sure. Fey on there? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. But I keep on seeing the ads for that new Tom Hanks movie, Greyhound. I don't think it's I've heard anything. Ahead. There's... I. You asked me about Will Ferrell's new movie yesterday. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eurovision something, something, something uh, on Netflix. That looks god-awful. So, I mean, I watched a ton of new movies, but I think we'll each talk about four. So I'll talk about, I guess, some of the newer ones I watched. We'll start out with The Lovebirds from Netflix. From Netflix, as of march or april or whatever when they you know decided that's not going in theaters <laughs> yeah yeah it is a 2020 film i, I would have probably seen that if it was in theaters if, if covid didn't happen but uh i don't know if i can bring myself to watch it on netflix <laughs> <laughs> which is funny you'll actually leave your house to watch it but not stay at home to watch it well like if i have an a-list and like it's you know, Thursday or Wednesday or whatever, and I've only used two of them. It's like, well, might as well. Something to do. <laughs> well, you got to keep watching stuff on Netflix to get your money's worth out of that. I'm not paying for Netflix. Oh, that's right. It's on the hush hush. I need to watch my... Uh, Thanks to Colorado. I need to watch my uh, premium channels is what I need to do. Yeah. All right, so Lovebirds, directed by Michael Showalter, fan of his, uh, from the state and part of David Wayne's crew. Still love. American Summer. 
<laughs> yeah, Stella. Uh, this film stars Issa Rae, Kamel Nanjiani, Paul Sparks, Anna Camp, Nicholas X. Parsons, Kyle Bornemer, or Bornheimer, Barry Robart, or Rothbart. That's about it. Storyline. A couple experiences a defining moment in their relationship when they are unintentionally embroiled in a murder mystery. So maybe you've seen the trailer, but... Several uh, times. Issa <laughs> Rae and Camille Nanjani are a couple, and they're out one day, and they're driving along, and they hit somebody on a bike, and they kind of stop, and the bicyclist gets up and just runs away, or pedals away, rather. And some other guy comes in claiming he's a cop, commandeers their vehicle, and then he runs this guy down and then backs up and runs over <laughs> him again and then puts it in a drive, runs over him again, and then just kind of leaves. <laughs> and yeah. They're like, I don't think he's a cop. And there's witnesses there that place the couple at the scene. And so um, <laughs> their names are, are disclosed. So they're kind of on the run. I don't want bacon grease in my face. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to turn themselves into the cops because the evidence does not look good. So they try to solve the mystery themselves. And hilarity is at least supposed to ensue. And it does somewhat. Uh, I would say I enjoyed this movie. Uh, Issa Rae, I had seen her in the photograph. And I hadn't seen her anything else, although I started watching Insecure recently. It's a decent show. It's entertaining. Um, comedy on HBO. And she was also in Little. That's the one you and I were talking the other day. She had three movies come out within a year. Little was the other one. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. a re- remake of Big, basically. It was the reverse. No. Yeah, it was the remake. It was the reverse Big. That's I had yeah. it right. <laughs> we have to say it. It was just like Big, but reverse. Which I'm sure is, yeah, let, is it less creepy? Like, does she hook up with a like a twelve year old in that one? Or I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe that's why it's <laughs> worth watching, just to see if they if they recreate that scene. <laughs> um, but she was good in the photograph, which was a drama. Although I wasn't, I didn't think the photograph was tremendous or anything. There were some good performances in there. She's good in here. Uh, Camille on Johnny, pretty funny dude. I've never seen Stuber. You said it's god awful. Stuber was bad. Camille is better in like smaller, like secondary roles. Like as a lead, I didn't think he was was very good as a, a lead in a comedy. Yeah. Uh, I've liked him on podcasts I listen to. I used to listen to him on Douglas movies. Oh, I haven't listened to Douglas movies in about three, four years. But. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, he's a pretty funny dude. Uh, here, there's some laughs. Uh, I would say that it's pretty derivative of other movies like Date Night and many other <laughs> films that came before it. You know, Mistaken Identity, that type of thing. Um, the people with Mistaken Identity try to solve the case themselves. Which is, ba- that's North by Northwest, right? It's a Hitchcock. Hitchcock made about yeah. four of those. Yeah. So... Like I said, I, I, I liked it, thought it was entertaining, but I don't think it's required viewing or anything like that. So I will give it a WTM last resort. That's a last resort. All right. 
What did you watch, Brett? I watched a 2018 movie called The Wind. The Wind? <laughs> uh, directed by Emma Tammy. Star- Title's got me. Stars Caitlin Gerard, Julia Goldani Tellis, Ashley Zuckerman, Dylan McTee, Miles Anderson, and Martin C. Patterson. Synopsis is a plainswoman faces the harshness and isolation of the untamed land in the western frontier of the late 1800s. So this is a, it's a horror western. It's a horror movie set in the West in the 1800s. And it's, uh, it's really you good. Seen, you haven't seen Bone Tomahawk yet, have you? I have not. Okay. That's kind of like another horror western, but sorry, continue. So anyway, so this movie, it's, uh, there's a couple that kind of lives isolated in the frontier and then they have a couple that lives close, but, you know, like close enough to, to kind of interact regularly, but they're still pretty far away. And uh, there's something in the wind, maybe. Right. So it's you don't know what it is, but there's it seems like there may be some kind of like demonic force going on fucking with these people. And uh, one of the women gets left by herself because they got to go, you know, tend to something in town and uh, some bad stuff happens. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the less you know about it going in, probably the better. But uh, it it was really tense, really well uh, directed and acted. And uh, it, it's very simple in its premise. But the execution is fantastic, and I would highly recommend it. Uh, WTM Soonish for the wind. Soonish. All right. I'm going to talk about a film from 2019, The Red Sea Diving Resort. Netflix film. You heard of this? No. So, like, it stars Chris Pine. And the reason I heard about this movie is I was on Twitter a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago. And there was like a two-week period where every single day there was a new someone is over party trending. So in this case, it was I saw Chris Pine is over party trending with people trying to cancel people every day. It was just a different person. That's, like, what the, what that's still happening. That's still happening. Yeah. Although I, it's been like every other day now that I see. <laughs> but You're not on wrestling Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They, well, they canceled the whole UK wrestling scene. And uh, apparently the reason for this, Chris, or uh, what did I say? Chris Pine is over. It's not Chris Pine. No, not Chris Pine. Sorry. Um, Chris Evans. <laughs> Chris oh, Evans is over. Okay. Sorry. And Chris, uh, he was trending because I found out the reason was because people didn't like this movie he was in because he portrays an Israeli Mossad agent and uh, the Mossad and the Israelis are portrayed in a positive light in this. And that's why people were mad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. 
because it's based on a true story. Because obviously, uh, Israel-Palestine, that's a hot-button issue. I get why people are angry on both sides. Although, in this case, it's a true story from 1979. And... Uh, I think there's a lot That's of people. The issue is. I think there's a lot of people mad about the Israeli-Palestine issue who don't know why they're mad about the Israeli-Palestine <laughs> issue. So if you know why they are, you're a step ahead of them. <laughs> so this movie was directed by Gideon Raff. Uh, it stars Chris Evans, Haley Bennett, Greg Kinnear. Alona Tal, Michael Kenneth Williams, Ben Kingsley, Alessandro Nivola, Chris Chalk, Alex Hassel. That's about it. Storyline. Israel's Mossad agents attempt to rescue Ethiopian Jewish refugees in Sudan in 1979. How dare they? <laughs> Uh, the only other backstory I know of this was from Uncut Gems. <laughs> Basically, Adam Sandler educated me about black Jews trapped in Ethiopia. <laughs> it's history right there. <laughs> I watched the History Channel. A lot of shit on there. Another, I, I, another tangent. I saw on Twitter there was a story about uh, some guy in Tanzania had... Uh, unearthed like two of the biggest pieces of tanzanite ever 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 mined and they're like it's worth three million dollars so i'm like <laughs> yeah but i bet he only gets about three three hundred k for them <laughs> but it turned out the government had already paid for it so mm. like he was a he legit got paid for it he didn't want to put on an auction at other bees <laughs> so uh yeah the red sea diving resort uh set up as Obviously, the regime is basically doing a bit of ethnic cleansing in Ethiopia. So the Jewish It's a weird population. way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just doing a bit, like said, a bit of ethnic cleansing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess there's never a, a bit of ethnic cleansing. I guess, I guess that minimizes <laughs> yeah. it just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you know what I'm getting at. It's very they're ethnically They're slaughtering the Jews in Ethiopia. <laughs> And a lot of them are escaping to Sudan. A lot of them are having trouble even getting to Sudan because the borders are being patrolled. So Chris Evans is one of a number of Mossad agents that are in Ethiopia, um, kind of doing an underground railroad type of thing where they're helping the Jews escape into Sudan. Now, it was very risky what they were doing, and they weren't exactly getting... A lot of people out um, and it was quite dangerous for them in terms of getting shot at by the rebels or the government what have you uh, so they needed to come up with a better way to try and get Jews out of Ethiopia into Sudan and then eventually to Israel and they came up with this the Red Sea diving resort it was a resort that was closed down digital Sudan um, it was kind of like an upscale resort in Sudan that has been closed for a few years and it was for sale and so they kind of buy it under the guise of we're just gonna <coughs> buy this resort and make a go at it you know mm -hmm. so they get in there they fix it up 
and uh, the Sudanese government, the military is kind of watching them a little bit and a bit wary of what's going on until actual people show up to <laughs> rent rooms, even without uh, the Mossad agents even knowing. Apparently there were some pamphlets around because um, I think they were pretending to advertise like, hey, we're open, you know, as a, a, for their cover. Yeah. And people just started showing up and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> 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 we got to tend the guests now. But they're like, oh, wait, this is actually perfect for our cover because what better way to pretend you're running a hotel resort is to actually run a hotel resort. Right. And so uh, during the day, it's like any other resort. They're taking people diving, fishing, that sort of thing. And at night, um, they're sneaking into Ethiopia with these big trucks. And they're loading up the trucks with Ethiopian Jews and then making their way for the diving resort and then hide them out there until uh, Mossad or Israel military had a boat. Uh, they would send out, uh, what do you call those little inflatable rafts? like Navy SEALs would use. They basically had like a dozen of those that would go out, pick the people up, bring them onto the larger ship. But uh, this story is pretty fascinating. Good performances. Uh, It wasn't groundbreaking or anything like that, but I think the story alone was fascinating enough to make it required viewing. So I will give this an eventually. Eventually. All right. You know, we talked about our friend's movie drone earlier. I watched our friend Mark's favorite movie, 2018's A Star is Born. (laughs) This is the fourth version of this movie, and I have now seen all four of them. I can't remember if I reviewed them all on this podcast, but... I don't think you reviewed the Streisand one. I, uh, this one is basically, it's a very close remake of the Streisand one. Uh, there's a few adjustments, but the story is, is pretty much the same as the Streisand one. Uh, it's directed by Bradley Cooper, stars Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, Sam Elliott, Greg Grunberg, Andrew Dice Clay, Rafi Gavron, Anthony Ramos, Dave Chappelle, Alec Baldwin as himself, a bunch of other people as themselves. Synopsis, musician helps a young singer find fame as age and alcoholism send his own career into a downward spiral. This was a, this is a very popular movie in 2018. You had it in your top five, right? Yeah, it was number two, I think. It might have been number one. I'm not sure. I loved Stars Born. Like I said, this is the fourth one. There's one from 37. There's another one in 54 and another one in 76. This one, I I tweeted out my rankings after I watched this of the four. This is what I would put as the third best. Behind 1937 is the best. It was the original. It was, the, it was by far my favorite of the four. Uh, 54 would be the worst. Um, and then 76 would be number two. With 2018 coming in at number three. So 
I will say 54 gets docked points because big, big chunks of that movie were destroyed. And then they re, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They basically, uh, they they restored it with still photographs from set and audio from the scenes that they destroyed. And that, There's probably a good half hour or more of that in the movie and it takes you out of it a little bit. So that deducts it all points. Otherwise, it's about on par with 2018. Um, so this movie is about... It's uh, Bradley Cooper's uh, a pretty famous rock and roll star. You know, he's, he's kind of peaked and he's starting to come down at the end of his career. He's got an alcohol problem. He just happens to hear Lady Gaga. He's got an everything problem. <laughs> well, they have an alcohol problem in every version of it. So it's, uh, yeah. that's consistent. But, uh, in this one, Lady Gaga is a, a waitress who also sings at a drag bar that uh, Bradley Cooper's character happens to, to go in looking for alcohol one night. And, he kind of latches onto her and uh, kind of drags her along and, and helps her get her career uh, up and going. And uh, in pretty short order, she becomes one of the most famous singers in America. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, people are kind of forgetting about him and uh, he kind of slips deeper and deeper into his depression. And she's like a Lady Gaga or something like that level star. It's Yeah. They even put her on Saturday Night Live. I mean, that's what all the big, big timers do. <laughs> I just like that Alec Baldwin cameo. <laughs> I wonder if they uh, actually filmed at that, or, or they were like, "Hey, Alec, can you come in?" Because you always host anyway. So he was probably need you to film the. He's probably already just need there. To film this little spot for the movie. He's, I mean, he he had been doing Trump for two years by that point. So yeah. You know, he, it, he wasn't doing anything else. I thought it was funny because, like, at the beginning of the movie, she's like a singer songwriter, and then, like, as soon as like she has one bit of success, like it's a hundred percent like just like cheap pop music. And I thought that was that was a weird transition. I uh, I think what hurts this one versus the other versions of the movie is, uh, I felt like they cut some corners. To, I don't know if it was just to make the, the story, like, I don't know if they wanted to, like, cut it for time or if it was convenience or, or what, but there were some things in the other earlier versions of The Star is Born that they, they did differently or not at all in this one, and I thought it took a lot of the emotional impact out of, of some of the more climactic scenes, uh, and I... I think if you watch some of the earlier versions, you'll you'll kind of get that too, and I, I I guess I can see why if this is the only version you've seen, why you'd like it. But uh, having seen the other ones, it's it, it doesn't really compare to uh, the thirty-seven or fifty or uh, sorry, the seventy-six version. Uh, what it was thirty-seven and seventy-six. Yeah, but it's still worth watching. I would give it. And eventually, for the 2018 A Star is Born. They're all worth watching. It, yeah. It, it's uh, 76, I would give a soonish. 
37 I gave an ASAP on here, and then uh, 54 in 2018, eventually. Eventually. Yeah, I just, I love the performances. I was really impressed with Gaga, um, and I love the music, especially Bradley Cooper's. He really impressed me, too. Decent voice. Yeah, the music. <laughs> it's funny that he was just basically doing an impression of uh, Sam Elliott. And they kind of incorporated that in the movie, you know, yeah. like he, he stole his voice, you know. The music is, is pretty similar to the, the, the 76 version. Um as far as like what Bradley Cooper does and then some of the earlier stuff that Gaga does, obviously the, the more poppy stuff is different. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's, it's maybe too similar in a lot of ways. And uh, like I said, they, they changed or cut out some things that, that uh, really had a, a bigger emotional impact uh, in the previous version uh, that I thought, you know, hurt it a little bit. All right. I'm going to talk about a movie from 2019 that you were just a huge fan of. Ad Astra. <laughs> He's so introspective. <laughs> you know, you hated this, right? You gave it a last resort or? I, 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 I'm pretty sure I gave it a last resort. It was, uh, I was bored with it. it yeah. It was not. Well, it was not good. So, this is directed by James Gray. Stars Brad Pitt, Tommy Lee Jones, Ruth Nega, Donald Sutherland, Kimberly Elise, Lauren Dean, Donnie Keshwars. Synopsis. Astronaut Roy McBride undertakes a mission across an unforgiving solar system to uncover the truth about his missing father and his doomed expedition that now, 30 years later, threatens the universe. So, I was excited for this to see this movie when it came out, even with uh, you kind of poo-pooing it. Uh, but I've come to the realization that James Gray is just not a director for me. <laughs> He's just not. All those movies that I've seen of his have been huge disappointments. The last one I saw his was The Lost City of Z, which a uh, great synopsis about a real-life story of a expedition to the Amazon back in the, I think, late 1800s, maybe early 1900s. And maybe the first half was okay, and it just got very long and boring, and it just nothing happens, basically. And then he also did a movie uh, called We Own the Night. You ever seen We Own the Night? No. Marky Mark and Joaquin Phoenix? Sounds familiar, but uh, no, I have not seen that. So that's kind of a like a gritty cop thriller. Takes place in the early 80s, I believe. And I remember watching that movie. I think I've seen it twice. And the first half of that movie, I absolutely love. Like when I was watching, I was like, this might be one of my favorite movies of the year. And then the second half, especially the ending, just sucked. <laughs> just <laughs> terrible. Just hated it. And so we get to Ad Astra. I think it's the third movie of his that I've seen, James Gray. And I did like the first half. Thought it was interesting enough, engaging enough. I wasn't blown away by it, but. 
like uh, as the synopsis says, he sent on a mission uh, to try and find out what happened to his father and their expedition because I think they were set up. Uh, his father had an expedition. They were set up around Saturn or uh, might have been Jupiter. Uh, Anyways, they had yeah. um, might have been Neptune even. I don't know. It's something way out in the in the galaxy or the solar system. And they lost contact with them something like 20, 30 years ago. He's considered, presumed dead. But this expedition he's on, uh, there's something happening with that planet where it's reacting in a way uh, that I think particles are being sent into space and it's disrupting things on Earth. And it could, it's very dangerous for, it's like volatile where it could destroy all life on Earth, basically. I don't think they explained it very well. Yeah, I, I mean, I watched it just like a week or two ago, and I'm just like, well, I don't care anymore. <laughs> but anyways, they got to go there and figure out what's going on. Now, I did. they first go to the moon, and I did like the scenes on the moon. That, I thought that was pretty exciting and kind of cool. Um, but after that, it's just, it just goes downhill. I just, yeah, it gets to be boring to me. Now, this James Gray guy... I think he has a talent for for the camera. I mean, it's more the cinematographer than him. Um, I should look who the cinematographer is. I mean, yeah, it looked great. I mean, the the visuals were fantastic. It's just like the story was kind of blah. Oh yeah, Hoyt van Hoytema is the cinematographer. He's done. Uh, he did Dunkirk, did Interstellar. So he does a lot of Christopher Nolan stuff, which is why Nolan stuff looks incredible. But like it seems he knows how to put a film together, at least in the way of how he wants it to look. The style he has, I think, can be can look attractive. But I don't know. Like his films just especially the second half always seem to be empty and boring and just a slog. So I mean, good performances in Ad Astra, I guess. I mean, Brad Pitt was fine. He was good. Special effects were all right. I didn't get the Oscar hype for Brad Pitt for that role. Yeah, I thought he was good, but I wasn't, you know. It's like, look at him think. He's so, he's so deep in thought. He's <laughs> <laughs> a real thinker. So introspective. So I, will, <laughs> I will give Ad Astra a last resort. That's a last resort. All right. I think I'm just going to stop watching James Gray movies. I don't think I ever started. You named a, <laughs> you named a couple. I've never even seen them. So. Yeah. All right. I know you were all super excited to hear this. Cause I, I think I tweeted about it. I watched 1996's The Naughty Professor. <laughs> I also watched The Naughty Professor 2 The Clumps. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to review both of them, but uh, we'll do the first one at least. Directed by Tom Shadiak. Shadiak. I don't know how to say it. Shadiak. S-H-A-D-Y-A-C. Shady Acres. Shadiak. Stars Eddie Murphy, Jada Pinkett Smith, James Coburn, Larry Miller, Dave Chappelle, John Ailes, Trisha Wilson, Jamal Nixon. Synopsis. 
grossly overweight yet good-hearted Professor Sherman Klump takes a special chemical that turns him into the slim but obnoxious Buddy Love. I like they put butt good-hearted, like you normally wouldn't expect a grossly overweight person to be good-hearted. <laughs> yeah. Or a slim person to be obnoxious. That's outrageous. Now we know I love Norbit. Mm-hmm. Norbit's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I figured you'd... God, you gotta love the Naughty Professor movies then. Other other Eddie Murphy movies I'm kind of meh on. Uh, like the ones that people really love that I've seen, I was just like, it's okay. I don't... It's not funny. The Naughty Professor movies are fucking right up my alley. Fucking, <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> Like, like even funnier, like, I I didn't have a lot of interest in seeing them. Because, like, they came out when I was, you know, the first one, I was nine years old when it came out. And I remember people, you know, went to see it and thought it was hilarious. It was, like, like big shit when I was, in, you know, when I was a kid. But I, I, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't look that great. But, uh, yeah, I laughed through the whole thing. You know, there, it kept me laughing. It was funny. Uh, the story is, is, you know, it's interesting. I liked it better than Jerry Lewis's version. Funnier than Jerry Lewis. I don't know, man. I, th- I think if you watch this, you're going to get some laughs out of it. <laughs> you know, the story's decent. Uh, keep you entertained. Keep it in eventually. It holds um. up. <laughs> Uh, the second, I know, the second one is definitely jealous that I was on set of Nutty Professor Two: The Clumps. The second one's more outrageous, but I so like the first one, like the first half is like super outrageous and funny, and then it gets a little more serious in the second half, and they kind of resolve everything. The second one is pretty outrageous throughout the whole thing, and uh, I don't know, I love them both. I, I would recommend both of them to anybody who's a comedy fan. Yeah, I rewatched the first one uh, a few months ago for the first time, and uh, I hadn't seen it since probably the 90s. Uh, I remember I had The Clumps on VHS, but I know I haven't seen that since early 2000s. Um, but yeah, rewatching the first one, I think it holds up enough. Um, yeah, there's definitely still some laughs in there. I mean, it's not, I don't love it or anything, but I do love pretty much every scene with the family around the dinner table yeah i think that is gold i, th- I think <laughs> i think it shows that eddie murphy really enjoys doing that type of type of movie and that type of humor yeah. and then in other movies it, you, you know sometimes it's just kind of going through the motions and reading the lines and stuff but uh you know with that and norbert you could tell like he's really kind of into it and and Putting on, you know, the best performance he can. Yeah. Soonish. All right. Well, the last movie I'm going to talk about is from 2019. Ready or not. You watched this yet? It's on HBO. Saw it in the theater. Oh, you did? I did. I think I rated it on the podcast. Mm. Directed by two people, Matt... Bedinelli Open and Tyler Gillett. Starring 
Samara Weaving, Adam Brody, Mark O'Brien, Henry Zerny, Andy McDowell. It's cool to see her again. I haven't seen her in about 20 years. Sorry, I see her kid more often than her. That's true. Saw our kids uh, feed a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Melanie Scrofano, Kristen Brunn. I think they'll about do it. Synopsis. A bride's wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying game. So this had a lot of buzz around it. Samara Weaving, she's the she's the new hotness. You got to go see Ready or Not. She's the next Scream Queen. Mm-hmm. She's in another horror movie, right? I think she was in something on Netflix. It's called yeah. like The Mutant something or other. I don't know. I don't know. I think she had a Let handful. just look at it right now, I suppose. handful of Netflix ones that she did. Uh, Mayhem. That's one. And The Babysitter. That was on Netflix, yeah, and I think Shudder as well. Uh, she was also on Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Don't remember her in there, though. Back to Ready or Not. I had heard all the rave reviews, so I figured I got to check it out. And I enjoyed myself. I thought it was a lot of fun. There's definitely some good dark humor in it. I thought Adam Brody was pretty funny in there. Uh, Smart Weaving was good. This is the first I've seen of her. It's kind of jarring how much she, at least in certain, I guess, light or angles, she looks like Margot Robbie. Yeah. Like the poster, I'm like, is that Margot Robbie? And then you see her in here, like, well, it's not, but. I've seen that uh, comparison a lot. She was on um, she was on a show on Showtime. Uh, show what's it called? Rosie O'Donnell was on it. <laughs> no idea. I'll look it up here. But she's Hugo Weaving's daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's got that weaving pedigree. Her dad's making a comeback these days with V for Vendetta. <laughs> she was on Smelf. The show is called Smelf. Okay, I heard it, of it, but which was uh, it. created and run by a female who was also the lead actress, and that got shut down. Uh, I think in part because Mara Weaving had like a sex scene in there, and she has to have like a close set. But the the showrunner just like invited everybody to come watch. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So so they uh, they got rid of the, the showrunner and shut down that whole production and uh, just kind of ended the show. All right. Well, uh, back to Raider Not. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. Some good humor in there. Some good. Uh, I mean, it's not very it's not like a scary type horror movie. It's more of a it's horror comedy, horror thriller, I guess. It's definitely on the lighter side. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a bunch of gore in it, but. As we know, gore does not make scary. A lot of it's played for laughs. So, yep. uh, but it, it's got that horror element. So you got to put it in there. Yeah. And I've seen movies similar to this before. Definitely has a bit of a get out type vibe. A little bit. I mean, not social subtext or anything like that. But Ready or Not is definitely more comedic than get out. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> get out. Get out although with this cat- although ready or not lacks Lorel, so <laughs> Get Out was categorized by as a comedy, but it was not intended to be. <laughs> According to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. <laughs> That's so yeah, funny. I would uh I would recommend uh, Ready or Not. I will give it an eventually. Eventually. Yeah. What did you give it? I think I gave it an eventually. I think it was like maybe my top twenty of last oh, year. Yeah. yeah. Maybe just outside. Pretty close. All right. Um so now we're getting into the movie challenge. Yeah, as you remember, show. as you remember from our last episode, which just happened, <laughs> March twenty third, we dropped. Uh, I challenge you to watch Wolf of Wall Street, and you're going to review it. Give it kind of a short review now, and then we'll kind of wrap up the show. And then, if you want us here to talk a bit more in depth with spoilers, you can stick around to the end to hear that. I will. I'll challenge you to watch something for the next time. Yes, you will. Before we wrap up. So tell us about the Wolf of Wall Street. All right, the Wolf of Wall Street is from 2013. Directed by Martin Scorsese. Stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, Margot Robbie, Matthew McConaughey, Kyle Chandler, Rob Reiner. John Bernthal, John Favreau, John Dujardin, Joanna Lumley, Kristen Malauti, Christine Ebersol, Shea Wiggum. And there's a there's quite the cast. Synopsis based on the true story of Jordan Belfort from his rise to a wealthy stockbroker living in the or, sorry, living the high life to his fall involving crime, corruption, and the federal government. So yeah, the Wolf of Wall Street was, uh, I've heard a lot about this movie. I've been meaning to watch it for years. But that length, man, three hours was, uh, was a deterrent. And then uh, by the time I got, you know, it got taken off all of the, the stuff that I have to, to stream and watch on demand, and it never came back. So this was really the first kind of opportunity in a few years that I've had to, to take a look at it. And uh, it definitely follows the Scorsese formula. You know, Scorsese, he's got, uh, for his biopics especially, did it have enough Rolling Stones for you in it? I mean, it, no, it, it's hard to, to do too much <laughs> Rolling Stone. But I mean, like, if you look at, like, Goodfellas and Casino and The Departed and Wolf of Wall Street and The Irishman, they all kind of follow that same formula. And it's, you know, it's a good movie. It's a good story. But, you know, when you see that same formula used over and over again it kind of has a law of diminishing returns in my opinion and so i thought that it for me hurt it a little bit and that you know it's very much a scorsese movie in that way uh, and it, it kind of you know 
lessened my enjoyment a little bit because I had seen it so many times before. I will say Jonah Hill was fantastic. I always wondered why he got nominated for an Oscar, and now I know, because he fucking earned it. And uh, he reminded He's trying to have a perfect moment at that party. <laughs> he reminded me of uh, Sean Penn in Carlito's Way, and that like he totally transformed himself into something that you've never seen him look or sound or act like before. And uh, kudos to him for, for going all in on it. Uh, especially considering that apparently he was paid very little to be in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. DiCaprio was good. Uh, he, he's always a pretty solid performer. Uh, the Jordan Belfort character was kind of unlikable. You know, it's hard to get behind <laughs> a guy who's a real asshole like that. Uh, <laughs> most of the characters are unlikable. So, yeah. you know, I think that get a you know, hurts it a little bit too. And that, uh, who do you root for? You know, do you root for everybody to go down? I don't want to root for the feds, but I also don't want to root for in clockwork orange. Well, that's different. (laughs) (laughs) The movie shouldn't be heard. If there's no comment, no characters you don't like. If I guess if that's the purpose of the film, I will say that in clockwork orange, Alex is very charismatic (laughs) <laughs> and he uh, compensates for his uh, worser uh, characteristics. Belfour's not? How about all those he is to an speeches extent. he has? <laughs> he is to an extent, but I don't think he... Uh, he he's still got to rub me the wrong way in, in some yeah. scenes. Uh, so, you know, given all that, like it's still a really good movie, but I think it's maybe a little overpraised in the, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I think I... You know, going in, I had a lot of uh, expectations that had been built up by people, you know, saying it's like the best movie ever and all that shit. But uh, it's it's still definitely worth seeing. So uh, I'll give it an eventually. Eventually. All right. This is a challenge. All right. So I was scrolling through uh, the old HBO Max the other day mm-hmm. and uh considering i talked about one of your top movies of 2018 today i feel it's inferior to the predecessors all four versions of a star is born are on hbo max i'm gonna have you watch the original 1937 version and then we'll talk about it next time all right, thirty-seven. I did really want to watch seventy-six, so maybe that's for an, for another time. Maybe on my own. I didn't know they were on HBO Max. That's good to know. Yeah, I I just looked the other day. All four of them are on there. Um, I'll start you with thirty-seven. Maybe you could do seventy-six the next time. Fifty-four. We could probably skip fifty-four, but uh, like I said, they're all worth they're all worth checking out. Fifty-four is only worth watching for Mike Myers. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> not not the movie fifty-four. The movie from fifty-four. I think fifty-four might be on there too. <laughs> it's somewhere I know fifty-four <laughs> is available on some service that I I have subscription to. 
Speaking of services, Peacock. Now, does that not start until July 15th? No, Peacock started uh, like two. I don't know why I see all these commercials about Peacock and saying like st- start streaming July 15th. Like maybe, maybe it's a specific original content or something. Yeah, maybe it's a specific show. I, uh, yeah. There's there's quite a few decent movies on there, but uh, I put one on the other day. And it made me watch three minutes of commercials before it would start the movie. I'm like, but does it stop the movie in the middle? No. Commercials? No, you just watch them up front. Well, I could put up with that. And the movie I watched was old, but I, I texted my brother about it. I'm like, Peacock fucking sucks. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I tried watching something on there. It was the edited version. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck is the point of this shit? I mean, yeah. It comes if you're. I'm definitely not watching shit on it with if it's edited. Yeah, it comes with your uh, Comcast subscription because it's owned by it's Universal's thing, but uh, like it's the premium version. So I don't understand why the premium version has fucking ads and shit. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. All right, well, we'll kind of wrap up the show before we get into spoilers for Wolf of Wall Street. Please follow us on Twitter. You can follow us at watch this underscore movie or Brett at PositivelyWolf1. Check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. You can email us at WatchThisMovie at Yahoo.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many many other podcast apps all right let's get into wolf of wall street i thought this would be way up your alley because of movies like fear and loathing and other drug movies where you get to live vicariously through the drug frenzied lives of its characters (laughs) i know i like those i like stuff like that um (laughs) i don't know it just it kind of reminded me of uh or no, I guess I could say it reminded me of Blow a little bit, where like Blow was another one where it's like people before I saw it, everybody's like, "Oh, it's the greatest movie ever," and it's like that same formula where it's the main character is uh, narrating throughout and kind of going over certain events that happened and led to his downfall and shit like that, and it's just maybe I'm just tired of the formula and all it's. I had just was seeing the Irishman a couple months ago, and it's uh, that one I, I didn't like as much either. Uh, that one didn't have good editing in it, in my opinion. But uh, this one was better uh, than the Irishman. It's just I, I've seen this type of movie so many times; it's just hard to to get excited for it again. Yeah, actually, looking at the soundtrack, I don't know if it actually has any Rolling Stone songs in it. I don't remember offhand, maybe maybe one or two. But it was yeah. set in like the it was set in the nineties, right? For the most uh, part. It was like started uh, in the eighties. Mid to late eighties and then yeah, into the nineties. I think he basically got caught in like ninety five, ninety six, or you know, really arrested. Uh, Rob Reiner Steve, was that's Steve Madden uh IPO was must have been early nineties sometimes, yeah. so it was after that. We'll say Rob Reiner was really good as as his dad. <laughs> Cheerio r- r- right away. We'll bring that right 
waited all fucking week for the equalizer. <laughs> I haven't seen Rob Reiner in anything in a long time, you know. And uh, I see his annoying fucking tweets every day, but <laughs> wait, are you following him or? You... No, I'm not. I just people, other people, people I follow like it. Oh, he's a bit of a blowhard on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Well, he's been in what like three episodes of South Park. At least one. He was in the one anti-smoking episode. So yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was good in there. I almost, I almost uh, challenged you to watch Freaks. Have you seen Freaks uh-huh. yet? No. Because that's on Max, isn't it? Yeah. Because of the, uh, I think I saw it. The scene where they're, you know, I had heard about the, the, the midget tossing scene. <laughs> and like I didn't realize the what tossing scene, the little Brad? person tossing scene. <laughs> I didn't realize like all, it was right at the very beginning, and then they never really get back to it. But they get to a scene where they're talking about scheduling the event. Yeah, and they do a, a reference to the movie Freaks, which uh, I was laughing at. That it was fucking hilarious. And I don't know you might you I don't know if you would recognize it or not. It's been done. I know South Park did it in, a, in a, at least one episode, probably a couple. And uh, I think The Simpsons even, you could say they referenced it. But it's the one where, so they're, uh, you know, they're talking about whether little people are actually people or not. <laughs> and then I started to go, like, maybe we invite them over. And, you know, one of us, Google Gobble, Google Gobble, <laughs> There's a scene in the movie Freaks where uh, all the freaks are having a, a a big dinner to celebrate this uh, engagement that one of them had to uh, one of the trapeze artists, and they start chanting that at her, <laughs> and she like freaks out. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was laughing at that. I got that reference. It was pretty funny. I love that scene where uh, Rugrat is talking about the little people, and he's like, "They're top heavy, like a lawn dart, <laughs> aerodynamic." And, Will they do it uh, naked? <laughs> <laughs> should we look at them in the eye? Like, should I look away? I want you to be ready with a stun gun to shock these little fuckers so <laughs> they get out of hand, or like, oh, what do you see? A, a tranquilizer gun? Yeah, put these fuckers down. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the nineties, you know. It seems like something that would have been happening like in the in the sixties or the seventies that conversation, but uh, yeah, because they weren't as enlightened even then. Did you uh, catch the real Jordan Belfort at the end? I didn't know what he looked like. I saw I I, I looked at uh, some of the trivia and stuff later, and I saw that he was there as the you know introducing him at the end of at the TED talk yeah. or whatever. Like the MC, uh, like, I wouldn't even know what to look for. You know, I yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't have known it was him, uh, even if he had a shirt on that said "I'm jo- I'm the real Jordan Belfort." Fun fact about Jordan Belfort: when he was in jail, his cellmate was Tommy Chong. <laughs> that sounds familiar. I think I've heard that before. Yeah, Tommy Chong has talked about it. Told some stories. Was like it- how he used to. Just play tennis all the time. Jordan Belfort would, you know. Was that when Tom? Is what he talks about. Was that when Tommy got busted for uh, shipping bongs uh, yeah, across state so. lines? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you talk about Jordan Belfort just play tennis all day long, basically. And I think that's what they show. Isn't there a couple of scenes or shots in the prison and he's playing tennis? I think so. Because it's, like it's, it's like a club prison bag. for rich yeah. people or something. Yeah, it's rich person prison. <laughs> so they have all these amenities and shit, you know. But uh, what was it? The scene where he, uh, what did he take? He took the some kind of drug and then he had to go. The quaaludes? Yeah, he took the quaaludes and he had to go, what, from the club to his house to keep... Uh, yeah, they were the special lemon quaaludes. They're part of, like, the original ones. Oh, yeah, they were delayed release because they were, like, 10 years old. Yeah, I think even older than that. <laughs> and they took a bunch of them because oh, this shit ain't working. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Jonah Hill's character's on the phone blabbing, you know. He's, <laughs> he's, he's got to get home. That was a pretty funny scene. Like I got home perfectly fine, didn't hit anything. Then <laughs> <laughs> he looked out and the car's just just smashed. Was, I love how he uh he snorts the coke like Popeye and the music for Popeye. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a great <laughs> that was a great one too. Like that whole sequence was fantastic. <laughs> I don't know. I bet you you saw more of Margot Robbie than you ever had before. <laughs> I think so. I, I don't know where else I would have seen more of Margot Robbie. Especially with that nanny cam shot. <laughs> <laughs> I read that that, shot, that scene was much longer and they cut it down. Mm. <laughs> I bet you the, uh, the producer invited everyone to the set. <laughs> <laughs> everyone get in here. You got to see this. <laughs> I mean, she looks like Samara Weaving. I mean, Samara would do it. We don't condone that. That's jokes. So uh, you also got to hear uh, the clip that Jones used for quite a long time. Let him watch. Let him watch. <laughs> John Barenthal is just lifting weights in his in his yard. I always laugh because like, bring your sister over. <laughs> Let him watch. <laughs> Didn't he want him to bring his, his sister's panties too, or something? It's like fucking weird shit. Yeah, something like that. Sell me this. He was kind of funny. Sell me this pen. <laughs> he was kind of funny too uh especially w- along with jota hill provided a good uh i guess straight man to jota hill <laughs> in their interactions that was pretty hilarious especially in the uh parking lot when they're trying to exchange the money oh my god jota hill pretends he's uh shit-faced on drugs or whatever there's <laughs> <laughs> just to be cops across the street <laughs> jesus I always laugh because people make fun of John Bernthal because, like, every movie he's in, he's only in it for, like, five minutes. And uh, I think he might have made, like, ten minutes in Wolf of Wall Street, but still. Yeah. It, it was like, yeah, I guess that is true. He, he really is never in a show or in a movie for that long. Have you ever listened to the last podcast on the left? No. I, I hear about it a lot, but I never actually listened to it. It's a pretty fun show, but one of the main hosts, uh, he played Otter in Wolf of Wall Street, one of uh, Jordan Belfort's friends that he brings in early on when they're oh, yeah, working yeah. out of that garage. And he, he's throughout the movie. He doesn't have very many speaking roles, but he's kind of the short, stocky guy with red hair, beard, I think. Yeah, he had a show on uh, Adult Swim where he played a That's devil. Right. Yep. Yeah, it- uh, Pretty Face is going to hell, I think. And then he had a show on Netflix called The Characters. 
It was like one episode was his or something. I never watched it, but I don't know. He was on um, Crashing. He was on Pete Holmes's HBO sitcom for for a few episodes. Okay. So he's been around. He's been on on a few things that I've seen him in. So I recognized him. He's pretty good. Uh, you also got to see. Uh... I don't want to confuse it. I think I got the right Ethan here. Ethan Suple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The big Not guy. Embry. The Suple. big guy was in there, yeah. Yeah, he was He was in middle. He was a middleweight in this movie. He wasn't huge. He wasn't skinny or jacked like he is right now. He was mid-yell. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he also got to hear the clip we use uh, from the book, motherfucker, from the book. <laughs> from the book, motherfucker, from the book. <laughs> Yes, I, I've seen a few movies uh, since I've uh, been home with clips. Like I, I watched uh, Scent of a Woman, so I got to hear the ASAP clip. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you like Scent of a Woman? That's pretty good, huh? That was pretty good. Al Pacino's hilarious. Was, uh... <laughs> that Thanksgiving scene is incredible. <laughs> it was quite good. So there we were, three across the bed, not a stitch of clothing between us. <laughs> And it comes to me. Let East meet West, and we'll build a golden bridge. He's <laughs> talking about like a Asian. Uh, one of the girls was Asian, and one of them was can't remember uh, American or something. Let East meet West, something like that. Yeah. Anyways, he gets very graphic in the sexual exploits of himself. I'm sure, think um, what I'll say. But anyways, yeah. Uh, also, that scene with. Uh, from the book motherfucker from the book is they're talking about captain ahab and the one guy to like there's no frame of reference like he doesn't know what the fuck it is and it's, the rug rag gets so pissed off he's like god read a fucking book turn your fucking brain on it's just, it's just <laughs> hilarious the way they treat each other yeah like the language they use and in the office all the sex parties and the one woman shaves her head for 10 grand to get breast implants <laughs> it's just hilarious you know like you can't you can't believe that all of that took place but i mean you know it's definitely exaggerated in certain po- uh, in certain aspects but still like they must have had you know a lot of hooker parties <laughs> i think so you know i was just thinking i think maybe part of the reason why it it didn't uh didn't hit me as 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 well as it did others, is I've been watching the show Black Monday on Showtime, which is a similar premise. And they even talk about Black Monday in the movie Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And it's the same type of thing, just like debaucherous uh, stockbrokers in the in the late 80s, just like uh-huh. doing cocaine and fucking around. So, I don't know, maybe a combination of, of the Scorsese formula, get a gold, and then seeing something that's too similar uh, too too recently before watching it maybe uh kind of uh give me a not as good of an experience watching as as others did when they first saw it Matthew mcconaughey is pretty great in there too huh he's different you know <laughs> i thought he was pretty hilarious i couldn't tell if he was acting <laughs> which i don't i guess personally I jack off twice a day. <laughs> I don't. I don't do it because I want to do it. I do it because I have to. 
He kind of uh, disappears though after you know a couple scenes. Yeah, after Black Monday. So, because that Fermi was kind of in charge of closed its doors. But like I said, like with him in that role specifically, like he was playing a character, but was he playing a character? <laughs> it just seemed like they just turned the cameras on, and he's like, "Okay, we're going now." Yeah, he's pretty hilarious. Uh, yeah, you get to see. Do you think that was Jonah Hill's real dick? Mm, I would say no. It looks kind no. of fake. With, I mean, you don't get a a good look at it, but it wasn't like uh, maybe a prosthetic he was holding on to. I wasn't doing a close examination. Around. I didn't stop it and rewind it and pause it and and you know get a good look at it. But I would <laughs> guess I would guess no. <laughs> uh. Speaking of which, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Boogie Nights. They obviously used the fake uh, penis for Mark Wahlberg's character, a prosthetic. I was watching Magnolia again the other night. And, you know, Tom Cruise's character in that, the uh, Frank T.J. Mackey, the tame the cunt guy. Yeah. Um, self-help douchebag. There's a scene in there where he's doing an interview and he's changing in front of the female interviewer. Mm-hmm. And he's down in his whitey tighties. And they must have stuffed those whitey tighties with something. Because I don't know what it was. There was something that was shaped kind of like a dick that was kind of poking out a little bit. And then it was just like filled with like just stuff. It looked like they just filled up a bag and put it in there. And I was like, well, this is two years after Buggy Nights. And PTA has already stu- or, uh, used one fake dick. So he must have. Maybe this is like a thing he does in his movies where he just puts fake cocks in there. And I know PTA didn't direct Wolf of Wall Street, but I don't know. It's just a, a fun film theory I have right now that <laughs> he's stuffing dicks, stuffing oh, pants man. in all of his movies. <laughs> I'm not that invested in movie dicks. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you uh, handle that conspiracy can I, theory. Can I be the, uh, the show's dick expert? Is it real or not? <laughs> Topic for next week could be, be, uh, be my guest. See if that's uh, actually uh, William Defoe's erect penis that is ejaculating oh, blood. <laughs> oh, what was that one where uh, Mr. Fantastic, one where uh, Vigo is just standing out there with his dick out in front of his kids? I haven't seen that movie, but I did see Eastern Promises where he fights naked. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Mr. Fantastic where they live in the woods and then like they get the all the kids together in the bus and drive to the mom's funeral. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a scene where they're parked in a parking lot and it's the next morning and uh, he's just standing in the doorway of the bus, bare ass naked with his dick just hanging out. And like the kids are just eating breakfast in the parking lot, just out in front of them. So, mm-hmm. like, that's a, that's a weird aesthetic. All right. Uh, anything else you want to add? I don't know, but I hope the listeners are ready for all this fucking dick talk. <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, we also encourage you to download the app, Dick Talk. <laughs> it's very popular. <laughs> Maybe we should start a Patreon just for that. <laughs> for Dick Talk? <laughs> that could be, you can record solo episodes on your... <laughs> Your investigation on is it real? It's all dick all the time. 
Uh, all right. Uh, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Later. Wait, man. Why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man. You're off my case.